This is Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's conversation is a continuation from the last two weeks on prayer. If you didn't listen to the episode two weeks ago, I'm just going to catch you up right quick. And there was an anecdote about a group of folks that were in a foreign country. They were doing a missions project. And they learned that the village needed a school for the kids. And so everyone on that trip prays that night. And then the next morning they wake up and they learn that someone has donated 50K. And that's exactly what they need to fund this building. And so they build the school while they're there. So the question is, was God waiting for that group of people to pray before he put, you know, on the heart of whatever donor it was to donate do you, know, yeah. do you even know what I'm asking? Yeah, I know what you're asking. And there's no answer. <laughs> I don't know the answer. Right. The tapestry illustration comes to mind. First time I heard it was Edith Schaefer, that the front of the tapestry is beautiful. The backside's a disaster. Yeah. And we're looking at the disaster. We don't yeah. see how God works on these things. Yeah. So I would think it awfully trite that God is sitting there going, now when they get their act together and they all come together and yeah, pray, yeah. Then, then I'm going to perform yeah. a miracle for them. Yeah. At the same time, they did petition him. Yeah. They did ask. The timing is lovely. Yeah. I don't want to dismiss out of hand that God is not kind and answers our prayers. Yes. But if we create a construct out of it, like James' question is, then if we do this, then these things happen. Yeah. That's back to the if-then thing right. we've been talking about. Right. So that to me is a red flag. Bless God. Right. Bless God that they prayed. Bless God that he came through. Yeah. And we celebrate that. Right. I just always think like God does not work on our space time continuum. Like he's not linear. <laughs> we are. And so I don't know. I mean, I've never heard you teach this passage maybe at all or certainly in this way. But I'm sure you probably have like the idea of, you know, when did God dispatch the ram for Abraham to sacrifice? Mm. It's like, could God have just supernaturally made a ram appear in the thicket? Of course he could have. Could he also have naturally over days dispatched a ram that climbed up the other side of the I mountain to be there? I think he got a fiction there. book for a kid right here. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, Ronnie um, the ram and, and woke honestly, up one morning. He didn't know where he was going. But I mean, in, that, in some ways, that's more likely. And so, you know, God knew what was going to happen. And he knew that he was going to provide a ram for Abraham to sacrifice. So anyway, all that to say, it's like, I love when did he provide that. the ram? When I did love he provide... all that. I have no problem with it. I'm on error on what this tells me. And when I get into the sanctified imagination of fiction, sure. it's lovely. Yeah. It's lovely. But I'm going to lean on that yeah. over, I mean, like I said, you could write a kid's book on right. Ronnie the Ram. Right. right. And he grew up and one day he was sent. Well, and, and the deal is it's, it doesn't really matter, does it? Either God provided Bingo. the ram a week before the to climb or it was supernatural. The point is God, God provided. provided. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm glad we agree. All right. So <laughs> so also part of this story in question, if no one prayed, will the orphans still need a home? Will they still need a home? I yeah, guess. Or the school. I, mean, Maybe I don't I know about this particular or orphanage, but I mean, I'm not clairvoyant. I think the presumption that if I don't pray, God's not going to work is underneath this. And I would yeah. say that's that's a little dangerous. Yeah. Quick anecdote. Your mom and I come from very different backgrounds. She comes from a pretty interesting Christian home. Her Mima was a Southern Baptist woman and very generous to Christian camps and so forth and so on. Sometime after our marriage, I heard someone talk about, you know, my grandmother prayed for me and my parents prayed for me that I'd meet the right husband. And I had this sort of self, you know, pity going, 
You know, they were prayed for me when I was a kid. I, mm-hmm. You know, they might have said a rosary or a mass, but, you know, they weren't praying for my wife or yeah. my children. And it hit me in the middle of a sermon I'm teaching, and it hits me. You married Cindy Sherwitz Easley. You knew enough of her grandmother to know what a strong Christian she was. Mm-hmm. Did Mima pray for her grandchildren's spouses? Sure did. Yeah. So... I think it was Gehurt Bahana who said, I do not know what prayer is. I know that prayer mm, is. That's good. The Mennonites said, pray until you've prayed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things about prayer that is a tapestry. So, yeah. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Keep marching. Okay. So this goes also back to our episode from two weeks ago. But basically, he's asking, if God knew before the foundations of the earth who would be saved, how does prayer affect those we pray for to be saved? I thought about the arch illustration on that question. We've talked about it many times, whosoever will. And then once you go through the arch and you look on the back of it, it says chosen before the foundation world. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe there's an application illustration for prayer. Mm-hmm. That we're praying for this front side of the arch. Mm-hmm. And when we're back through the arch, years later, looking on the other side of it, we go, this is what God really was up to. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's mystical or contrived. I think that's maturity over years. Mm -hmm. When your mom and I got married, she wanted four children two years apart. You were born, and then she could never conceive. And Mm -hmm. we went through infertility and then eventually adopted Jesse and then later Devin and Sarah, siblings. She's told the story a hundred times. If I had to all over again, I would do it the same way. Yeah, She told the story a hundred times. I would still adopt all of our children, knowing the challenges we have with all of them. Mm. And this is our family. Mm-hmm. And like many mothers, they're never happier than when all their children are at home under their roof yeah. for Thanksgiving or whatever it might be. She's almost like a schoolgirl in the corner, you know, just smiling. Her heart's full. Her life's full. Mm-hmm. Um, God, quote, answered prayers that this woman wanted four children mm-hmm. and they didn't come the way she thought she they thought would they or were, even prayed that they would. Know, two years apart, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Two boys, two girls, whatever it was that she had in her child mind. But that's our family. Yeah. And so you look back through the tunnel, if you mm-hmm. were, the arch and go, oh, God did answer my prayer, not in the way or manner I thought, mm-hmm. but what a kind God mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. And I think, The big lesson here is, are we submissive to the will of God, no matter our experience? Mm, Yeah, yeah. I think thinking about praying for the salvation of others, if you're going to like be a diehard, there's the elect, and there's nothing you can do to thwart God's plan or whatever. One, I would say, who are you to say that our prayer isn't part of God's election? Like, you know what I mean? What's calling them? But then also, I just wonder sometimes if praying for folks' salvation is— Oh, that sounds so me-centric. But what I was going to say, and then you can correct it, is it's kind of more about us and like aligning our hearts with God's greatest desire. Yeah. And like I think about our dear friend, Annie Hutton, who every time a plane flies overhead, Annie says, Lord, we pray for expedient salvation for every single person on that plane. <laughs> and I love that. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, my kids know when there's a ambulance, when we're driving the car, I mean, we always, we pray for the people, we pray for their safety, we pray that if they don't know the Lord, that this will be what brings them to the mm-hmm. Lord, you know, and it's like, we kind of know. these little yeah. liturgies or little, you know, habits that we create, 
that remind us that the most important thing is yeah. that people know their savior. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's all I have and, to say about that. <laughs> I remember in college, we took a little course on prayer. There was a book by Layman Strauss called Sense and Nonsense About Prayer. Uh-huh. And it was just these one line, you know, it makes sense to say this in prayer. It doesn't make sense to say that in prayer type things. One of the things that John Aldridge, who was the pastor at that church, said, ask this question before you pray. Will the answer glorify God? Mm. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, Will the answer to this prayer glorify God? Certainly the salvation of others. Yeah. Certainly my kids come to know Christ. Yeah. Certainly my son or daughter marries a Christian mm-hmm. uh, person, etc. That's sort of a baseline for me. And you're saying the same thing. He sent Christ to die for the salvation of yeah. people. Yeah. And if we get off that mark, it ain't We're about off. being happy. We're off. Yeah. Yep. All right. If you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. The info is in your show notes. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. 